I feel like that's going to be the whole constant theme in my head of this episode that it's very fascinating, but it's disgusting and weird, but cool, but also fun at the same time. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. This is your hostess with the mostest, Valencia. And if you are new here, the Oh My Allergies podcast is a podcast about all things allergies. Whether you have food allergies, seasonal allergies, skin allergies, or even your pet has allergies, Oh My Allergies is a safe space for discussions for those that need a bit of advice and support from someone who understands their struggle. Let's learn how to navigate life and learn how to thrive with our allergies together. What's up, Oh My Allergies fam? Happy Tuesday. If you're new, we drop these episodes on Tuesdays, and I am Valencia, your host. Nice to meet you. If you are not subscribed to the podcast, seriously, what are you doing with your life? Subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, just pretty much any platform you can listen to podcasts on. Um, Stop, drop, roll, and rate the podcast. Hopefully your rating is five stars. And also leave the show a review because it really helps with us just growing our community and being able to reach new ears and reach new people. Also follow us on Instagram. Our Instagram is at ohmyallergies. My Instagram is at ohmyvalencia. And just keep on sharing the podcast with people you know or people you don't know. Now, today's episode I really think is kind of like an interesting one because it is about a popular condition that just a lot of people, specifically with seasonal allergies, also known as environmental allergies, really deal with. And that is called post-nasal drip. And post-nasal drip, it's just kind of one of those things that's really annoying and irritating but then kind of gross at the same time but it really does affect so many different people with allergies that I thought it would be a really good episode topic to kind of dive into and get into you know what is like the backstory behind postnasal drip what actually is postnasal drip and just being able to learn more about the role that mucus plays not only for you know, our bodies just on a regular basis, but also for our allergies as well. And before we get into today's topic, you guys know I got to talk about what's been going on with me. So what's been going on with me? I know it's been a minute since there has been new episodes of the podcast And the reason for that was because I had to kind of take an unexpected pause from the podcast for, you know, personal reasons and just having to deal with things that were in my personal life. So it was very unexpected, Um, but I am back and I'm very excited to be back on the mic with you guys and being able to talk with you guys because I actually missed you all. Um, So what's been going on with me? Actually, the day that I am recording this portion of the episode is a day where I actually was going to like the grocery store just randomly and then saw like in the same plaza that there was an actual like 
pet adoption that was going on, which was so weird and so like unplanned. We saw all these cars and was like, what is going on over there, you know? And so went over there and was looking at a lot of the different dogs. There were all like labs of some sort. So whether they were straight up Labrador retrievers or they were lab mixes. And it was so interesting to see like all of these different dogs. And especially because lately I've been talking about wanting a another dog. So I just felt like it was like really like unplanned, like serene timing. Um, did not adopt a dog. So I will say that, but it was really cool to see like all the different dogs and they were all just so cute and just seemed like they had really good personalities to them. There wasn't really any sort of like rowdy dog that was like ferocious or anything like that that didn't give like scared energy or anything like that. Like they all seemed like they had pretty good temperaments, but they were all kind of relatively the same breed. So that probably plays like a big role in it. So was looking at some of the different dogs, gravitated towards this one dog and then realized the reason why I was gravitating towards it because it kind of like the dog was very in similar looks to my current dog and it just really just made it just be so weird for me I was just like why does this dog look so much like my dog in like different ways and the dog was just so friendly and it was so interesting because the the person that was holding um the dog on its leash we were like oh like the dog is like so gravitating towards you like were you like fostering the dog And the reason why, like, I asked this question was because literally the dog was thinking that the person's face was an ice cream cone because that's as much as the dog was licking the the person's face. Like, literally, like, was licking the chin, the throat, all of the things. Like, I was just like, okay, this dog really, like, likes this person so much. Like, they have to be fostering this dog. Like, this dog has to be, like, so comfortable around this person to be doing all of this right and the person was like no I was not fostering the dog I literally just met the dog today and it was so like interesting to see like how friendly the dog was and the dog so reminded me of my current dog and I just can't get that dog out of my head because the dog just reminds me of my dog and as I reflecting as my dog is getting older like I was just like oh my goodness so That's just something that happened today and it was really cool and exciting, but very, very unexpected, but it definitely left me with a smile on my face. But that happened to me today and was really pumped and excited about that. Um, Some other things that have been going on with me, I've been reading a lot of books on my Kindle. I'm actually halfway from my reading goal of 50 books for the year. So I am really, really excited about that and so happy that I've been on my reading grind. I've been trying so hard to find different books to be able to read and things that are just going to catch my eye and keep me entertained and things like that. So I've been really excited about being so close to hitting that goal. I've also been getting so much into grocery shopping and like trying new things. So it's been really interesting like looking up different recipes and doing research since it's kind of hard doing like a lot of cooking, being allergic to like a lot of things while also being a pescatarian. So it's kind of really hard and difficult, especially because for a lot of different recipes, it calls for like eggs and it's like I can't eat eggs anymore so it's just one of those things that's kind of like really frustrating 
but definitely am navigating, trying to find different uh, replacements and different things to be able to act as like substitutes. So I am really excited to be trying different things and being able to share them with you all um, as I'm finding out what I like and what I don't like. But that is a really good segue into talking about my foodie likes. So let's get right into my foodie likes. So the first foodie like I want to talk to you guys about, it's actually riced cauliflower. That has been something that I have been getting at the grocery store a lot more regularly and really just incorporating it into my different meals. So usually I will have it for dinner. And the first time I tried it, I was a little bit hesitant um, just because it's cauliflower. I feel like everyone just feels like they can just put cauliflower in anything and have it like taste just as good as the thing that it's replacing. So kind of was a little bit hesitant, especially because I had tried making rice cauliflower at home and I just it was just a no for me. I don't know if it was just I just couldn't get the right consistency of making it not be too wet or anything like that. But I didn't really like it when I first tried making it on my own. So I was like, okay, if I'm gonna try it again, I need to get it already pre-made and preferably something that is freezable. So came across a rice cauliflower at Whole Foods that is freezable and it actually is resealable which is like one of the best things like when I find something that is resealable I'm just like oh my goodness chef's kiss it's like the best thing ever I act like a little kid I like on Christmas because it's like just one of those things that you don't really realize that you want and need it until you don't have it but the reason I wanted to try it and actually try to try it right this time is because I've really been trying to lean away from having starchy carby foods and really trying to find different substitutes and alternatives for those different types of foods. So landed on rice cauliflower, but really wanted to try it in a different way and try it pre-made and all the things. And I've really been liking it. My tip is to get it plain. I know that there are some stores that'll have it where it's like pre-seasoned and all the other things, but I personally like being able to have it bland for a lack of a better word. In my opinion, it's better to just get it plain and then dress it up the way that you want. And it's very flexible and I actually really like the consistency and the taste of it. So if you are trying to find more ways to incorporate more veggies into your life, then I highly recommend trying this rice cauliflower just in general because it is so good. Surprisingly, it's so good. Another one of my foodie likes that I wanted to share with you all that I feel like I've shared it with you all previously, but I have kind of tried a new like brand of it and it is smoked salmon. I have been addicted to the duck trap smoked salmon that they sell at Whole Foods. Oh my gosh, I just feel like it's just in a whole another category of itself. Like it just tastes so fresh and so crisp and so clean. I just I just like it because it tastes really good when like you have it raw. It tastes good if you want to cook it on the stove, which I highly recommend 10 out of 10 if you like cook it on the stove just for like 
a couple minutes, oh my goodness, I feel like that is the only way to have smoked salmon. Um, but really like it because there's like certain smoked salmons, like certain grades of it, where it only tastes good when you cook it. It doesn't really taste that great when you just have it by itself. Highly recommend trying duck trap salmon because it tastes so good. If you guys don't know my relationship with smoked salmon, I have been a smoked salmon stan for so many years. I'm that person that if you are going to some sort of a brunch or something like that and they have smoked salmon there, I'm the first person in line to get it. I know having too much smoked salmon is not good for you because of the sodium, but I like smoked salmon and you you have to really be talking to Valencia's brain because Valencia's stomach wants more smoked salmon. Um, but highly recommend trying out both of those foodie likes if you've never tried them before. But those are my foodie likes I want to share with you all this week. So with that being said, let's get right into this week's allergy news. So this week's allergy news article is titled Whole Foods Creamy Caesar Dressing Recall Nationwide Due to Undeclared Allergens. So if you buy Caesar Dressing at Whole Foods, then you are going to want to check your refrigerator and also your pantry because there has been a newly announcement from the FDA uh, talking about how Van Law Food Products Incorporated is expanding its recall of Whole Foods Market 365 organic creamy Caesar dressing. Now this dressing was initially recalled from some Whole Foods stores back in August, but it's now being recalled from Whole Foods stores just across the country. And also the newly recalled dressing has different best buy dates. If you're new to the whole world of recalls, especially for food allergies, um, there are these best buy dates that are usually associated with being able to figure out what dressings are being recalled in terms of what specific batches. So the reason why this salad dressing is being recalled and pulled from different shelves across the country is because it contains undeclared soy and wheat allergens. And so the recall has been expanded to include Whole Food Market 365 Organic Creamy Caesar dressings with a best if used by date of September 21st of 2022 through June 6th of 2023. So if you have any sort of allergies to soy or wheat, you're definitely going to want to keep your eyes open, especially if this is a dressing that you use, because it's definitely important to know about these different recalls when you have food allergies, especially if these are your allergens, because if this is a product that you are having in your repertoire of things that you buy at the grocery store, then it's kind of one of those things that you're just like, well, dang, like, I guess I can't buy it. And the really crappy thing about these types of situations is because it's not on the label. So you really run the risk of having a a serious or life-threatening allergic reaction by consuming this salad dressing with those Best Buy dates that I mentioned because it's not on the label. So you're not going to even know that there's soy and wheat allergens within those particular batches. But like always, we will leave the link to this allergy news article so you're able to look at it in its full entirety and get more information and details surrounding this recall. 
But with that being said, this is this week's allergy news. So let's get right into today's topic, which is all about post-nasal drip. Like I say in these types of episodes, I'm not a doctor. Um, I'm not a medical professional, nor do I claim to be either of those things. These are just things that I know from personal experience and research that I've done. And I encourage you all to do research on your own as well. said today's episode is all about post nasal drip now have you ever had it where you feel like this tickle sensation like in the back of your throat and that tickle makes you either cough or have to clear your throat or have you ever had it where you feel like there's like so much mucus in your throat Well, that is post-nasal drip. And like I said earlier, it's kind of just one of those things that just affects so many different types of people. But before I get into like post-nasal drip and what it actually is and a little bit more specifics around it, I kind of want to talk more about mucus and its relationship with the nose, the throat, and most importantly, your sinuses in the case of allergies. So the nose, the throat, and sinuses, they continually produce mucus. And if you don't know specifically what mucus is, it is a thick, slippery substance that really helps with preventing your airwaves from drying. So these glands, they produce around like one to two quarts of mucus per day, which is very fascinating. It's a very fascinating fun fact because you don't really think about the production of mucus and how much a person's body can produce mucus per day. It's very fascinating to me, but actually gross at the same time. I feel like that's going to be the whole constant theme in my head of this episode that it's very fascinating but it's disgusting and weird but cool but also fun at the same time Um, but when it comes to mucus it has so many different important functions when it comes to your body so one of the important functions that mucus has is that it moistens and it cleans your nasal lining which I feel like that is the function that we are usually the most aware about because I feel like when you're at the doctors or you're in your science class like you learn about that but some other things that you might not be as familiar with is that mucus actually moistens that air you breathe which I thought was really cool um fun fact about it because you don't really you think about how it moistens and cleans out your nasal lining but you don't really think about that it moistens the air that you breathe It also traps and it clears whatever you inhale. I think one thing that's common when it comes to mucus is people tend to just think about mucus and its relationship with your nose, but it also can affect your throat as well. And then also mucus actually helps with being able to fight off infections. It protects your body from like germs, pollen, and other environmental pollutants in the air. And these different particles can actually create problems in your body if they are not filtered out as you are breathing and so mucus it traps these foreign bodies and really helps with being able to get them out of your body quick fast and in a hurry and so mucus it usually does all of this work unnoticed and is normally swallowed unconsciously as it harmlessly mixes with your saliva throughout the day and so 
you either are swallowing it or you blow it out of your nose. But if your body produces too much mucus or too thick of mucus, then it becomes much more of, of an apparent problem. And then you may feel like mucus is just gathering in your throat or it's dripping from like the back of your nose. And so this is what doctors call post-nasal drip, which is just pretty much a, a fancy medical term for mucus just running down the back of your throat. And that can actually irritate your throat and cause you to have that stubborn cough or have a sore throat. And so when it comes to the nasal drainage uh, that comes, that can actually start out as being something like a simple runny nose. And that can develop due to a lot of different factors like the weather changing, which is something that I feel like I'm personally dealing with nowadays with it going from summer to fall. And I feel like I'm definitely not alone when dealing with this. It's like you feel like your your allergies are trying to catch up with the the seasons changing and then your allergies like wait hold on and then it's like this whole learning curve for you and your body trying to get used to the weather changing and because of that your allergies and your nose and your throat suffer because of it also, depending on the person, the lining of your nose can be sensitive to changes in temperature, the wind, and also humidity. And also those fluctuations can affect when and how your nose produces mucus, which is really cool and really interesting at the same time. But then also on the other end of it is seasonally. So some people are more affected in the spring if you are allergic to like tree pollen or in the fall, if you're more so allergic to weeds that are blooming, which we did a whole episode on ragweed, which is a popular allergen for people who have fall allergies or just year-round allergies as a whole. So definitely check out that episode as well. Um, but then also some people tend to deal with more symptoms in the cooler and drier months and are more apt to get sinus infections in the winter. So it really just goes to show that every nose is just so different and it really just depends on the person their nose and honestly just like their immune system on who's going to be more affected by what another factor is like having a cold or having the flu having allergies like us and also having sinus infections now some other less common causes are like if you get something stuck inside of your nose which is usually common for a lot of the little peewee babies as I like to call them um, another less common cause is pregnancy and then also certain medications and then there are also situations where post-nasal drip is something that is temporary that you're dealing with that might be because of the weather being like really cold, the air being really dry, or because you just had like the spiciest food in the world and your body's like, oh my goodness, what is going on? And then you start dealing with post-nasal drip. So just to dig into some of the temporary conditions just a little bit more, um, when you are breathing a lot of dry air, it's very common when your heater is on as we move into the winter time that can really dehydrate your nasal passages or just cause an increased production of mucus within your nose. And so being dehydrated can also cause mucus to be produced thicker so that's also one thing to keep in mind when it comes to 
dry air or just being dehydrated in general, those are things and aspects that can actually impact your nasal passages and the mucus production. And then when it comes to the spicier foods, that kind of can also fall within acid reflux. So when the acids are rising from your stomach into your throat, especially if you are eating spicy foods or a lot of food or you're eating greasy foods, that acid will rise from your stomach into the throat and your esophagus and then the back of your throat and then even your nose can actually become irritated and because of the lining of your nose is not really suited for those types of irritants, you can actually find there to be more mucus that is produced and that can actually lead to post-nasal drip, which is just really interesting how having spicy foods or a lot of food at once or even greasy foods can have that impact on your nasal passages. And then some other factors as well as like age. So if you are a little bit more older in age, you're more prone to be dehydrated and having slightly thicker nasal secretions and drier nasal cavities. And so that can bring on having like intermittent hoarseness and having you to often clear your throat and then having chronic cough, which are all things that are connected to post-nasal drip. And then also if you are a smoker, as I used to call them when I was younger, um, a lot of people who smoke tend to have postnasal drip. And so that is because smoking can actually stunt the cilia, which is the small hairs in the lining of your nose that really propel mucus towards the back of your nose to really clear it, which is so cool and fascinating to find out there is a reason why you have those small hairs in your nose. But smoking can actually stunt the cilia's ability to do their job. So secretions can actually become very thick and arrive at the back of your throat as post-nasal drip. So those are some fun facts for you on how there are so many different uh, factors that can actually cause or aggravate your post-nasal drip. Now, post-nasal drip caused by allergies, specifically allergic rhinitis. If you're not familiar with allergic rhinitis, we actually have an episode on allergic rhinitis. So definitely go listen to it to learn a little bit more about it. But in short, for the sake of allergies, mucus, post-nasal drip. When it comes to allergies, the reason why there happens to have this overproduction of mucus that can actually end up causing post-nasal drip is because of the inflammation or swelling of the lining of your nose. And that really just spurs the overproduction of mucus. And so we actually also did an episode on inflammation and its role with allergies. It's definitely an interesting one to listen to. So that will also be an episode we will link down in our show notes as well, just to be able to get a little bit more backstory on inflammation and why it's also important, but also why it's actually bad for allergies as well. Like I said, postnasal drip caused by allergies typically has it where that drainage is like clear and is usually associated with sneezing, a runny nose, an itchy nose, having that nasal congestion, and even having itchy, watery eyes. And these types of symptoms can actually occur either seasonally or even year-round for some people. And actually, some symptoms of allergy-induced asthma that can actually come in result of post-nasal drip are like coughing, wheezing, and having shortness of breath. Some of the list of like official symptoms that are usually associated with post-nasal drip are like having this feeling of mucus draining into your throat, 
you feel like you're like frequently like swallowing. You feel like you're always like clearing your throat and that you can't clear your throat enough. Having like this raspy or gurgling to like your voice, having your throat feel very irritated and sore or having like a feeling of like a lump in your throat. So post-nasal drip, it can actually often lead to having a sore, irritated throat. And even though there usually is not an infection that is related to it, your tonsils and other tissues in your throat can actually also swell and that can cause that feeling and discomfort of having a lump in your throat. So I think it's just very interesting how something that seems so simple like mucus draining can cause like this domino effect of just so many other things happening like it can affect your throat and have you get this lump in your throat even though there's not really an infection that's connected to it, it can still affect your body in that same way, which is just so interesting. Now, I know you're probably hearing all these symptoms and all this backstory behind postnasal drip, and you might be thinking, well, like, if it can make your body feel like there's some sort of an infection and you might not have an infection related to it, like if you're dealing with like a sore, irritated throat, like, is postnasal drip like is it something that's like contagious and no postnasal drip itself is not contagious but it could depend on the cause of you having the excess mucus production so if you develop postnasal drip because of a viral infection then you could pass that virus to another person and that person that other person may develop a cold or another infection and then like the domino effect continues so in that type of case yes but the actual post-nasal drip itself, no, it's not contagious. So another question that you might be thinking about is whether post-nasal drip is actually curable. So the answer is no, it's not curable. It's not been found to really be able to cure inflammation in the nose yet. So really just being able to manage it by using different sprays, rinses, other different home remedies, and different medications. But if you are going to be using different sprays and rinses and things like that, it's really crucial to make sure that you are consistent with using them. And then when you get to a point where you are discontinuing using them, then discontinue them gradually and don't stop prematurely because that may allow that inflammation in your nose to like return and then you're dealing with the problem that you thought you were kind of solving all over again. So it's kind of like, what's the point? So if you are at a point where you're like, yeah, I went to the doctor and I found out, yes, I do deal with postnasal drip. Like now what? Like what are some really good options to really consider when it comes to being able to lessen the symptoms that you're experiencing and really be able to treat it? So some really good things to really keep in mind when dealing with postnasal drip is having some sort of a humidifier on hand or even doing steam inhalation. So if you get into like a really, really hot shower, that's something that can really help as well with being able to 
dry up the mucus. Some other ways is really staying hydrated to really help with keeping the mucus thinner. Um, some other things is really making sure that when you are sleeping that your pillows are propped up to really help with keeping the mucus from collecting at the back of your throat because we don't want you choking at night during sleep. That's like so weird because I've had it happen to me before and I've heard friends and family have it happen to them as well where they're sleeping and then they feel like something's in the back of their throat and then they feel like they're choking and then they wake up out of their sleep and they're like stressed and like their stress levels are going up and it's just not something you want to deal with especially when you're supposed to be calm and relaxed when you're sleeping you don't want to deal with stress when you're sleeping um, some other things that you can consider is like different medication that can help with thin and mucus um antihistamines are really good so you know like the benadryls the claritins the allegras of the world um some other things that are really helpful that i have found personally is having some sort of hot soup or any sort of like hot liquid it really helps with being able to give you some comfort and some temporary relief and it really works because of the steam from the hot liquid it really helps with opening up your stuffy nose and opening up your throat and it also helps with thinning out any mucus and because it's a fluid having a hot soup or a hot liquid is going to help with preventing you from getting dehydrated and that's going to also make you feel better too. So honestly, you really just can't go wrong with having some sort of hot soup or any sort of like hot liquid. So whether that's hot lemon water or whether that's like a hot soup, I know some people's go-to is like chicken noodle soup. I don't eat chicken. So one of my go-to soups is like a miso type of soup or like a vegetable soup or like a, some type of soup that has like tofu in it just like finding out what are some soups and any hot liquids that work well for you I know some people's go-to is like bone broth I don't really do that because I don't eat meat so just really just trying to find what hot liquid is going to do it for you to give you the most relief and then also as I said if those options aren't good then a hot steamy shower will be able to provide some relief as well. So like one really important key thing to take away from this episode is if you feel like you're dealing with postnasal drip, then you're definitely should and highly recommend you reach out to your doctor, your allergist, a medical professional to really be able to get their counsel and advice and really be able to work with them in order to form the best plan of action for you and your symptoms just so that you're able to go with making different decisions based on their expertise because they are the doctor they are the allergist and really being able to put together a plan that works best for you and your body is really what's important and making sure you're keeping your doctor in the loop so that they know what is going to be good for your use case and for your situation so okay you have postnasal drip and you don't really know whether it warrants you to contact your doctor or anything like that um, some really good things to kind of think about is if your mucus is discolored and it really doesn't like get better or anything like that or if you have like a fever that's really significant that goes along with the symptoms that I kind of briefly talked about or if your mucus smells weird or you're dealing with symptoms that last longer than like 10 days or you feel like it's more so along the lines of like an infection that's related to the postnasal drip then you're definitely going to want to consult with your healthcare professional and doctor under those types of circumstances and make sure that you're getting the right help and care that you need 
need. But I feel like when it comes to post-nasal drip, it is just something that is so common. And typically in relation to allergies, it's not something that is serious, even though it's something that is just very, very irritating and very, very, very annoying. And it's something that can usually resolve itself on its own by like just like waiting for it to clear up. Or you can have over-the-counter medications and different home remedies to really help with being able to manage the post-nasal drip and not make it be as annoying as it is. But honestly, like when it comes to allergies, the best way to avoid post-nasal drip is to really just eliminate any allergens or any other triggers. So making sure you're like washing your sheets, washing your pillowcases, doing all the things that you normally want to do when you're trying to minimize the amount of allergens that are especially in like your living space and especially, especially in your sleeping space. You're going to want to make sure that you're really like being the allergen police when it comes to those spaces because they're kind of sacred. And and you don't want anything in those spaces that are going to irritate and exasperate your allergy symptoms and just make your allergy situation worse. You know what I'm saying? So definitely, hopefully these tips can really be helpful in trying to make your post-nasal drip not as drippy and irritating and annoying but hopefully you all found this episode to be very helpful to be very informative and if so and you're not subscribed to the podcast make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice make sure to give us a follow on instagram our instagram is at oh my allergies my instagram is at oh my valencia make sure to head over to apple Podcasts and google Podcasts and spotify to leave us a rating and a review hopefully that rating gets five stars and really take the time to write us a review because it helps us with being able to reach more ears and reach new people and grow our oh my allergies community and keep on sharing the podcast with people you know and don't know and I will talk to you guys in the next episode bye guys Bye.